0: It's another Sunday Night in Comedy, and tonight we're stacking the panel with headlining comics and industry heavyweights you've seen and heard on club stages, festivals, and network TV across Canada and stateside. And now you can catch all of these crowd killers on Comedy Night with Rick Mercer on CBC. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go inside the joke.
1: Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
0: Welcome back to an all-new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And, of course, brought to you, as always, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Helping you watch network comedy specials more clearly. How about that? We are back with an all-new episode uh, after, our, of course, JFL and Review Clip show uh, that we aired a little while back. Uh, We are back with three absolute crowd killers on an all-new special on the CBC. Comedy Night with Rick Mercer, who we chatted with. Not that long ago, we have our producer Vince Tedesco on the line with us. How you doing, buddy?
1: Doing well, do you know? Doing well. Happy season 7 too as we uh, There we go. go.
0: We're jumping into season 7 here. It is an all new season of inside jokes and we have some absolute crowd killers on the panel tonight, Vince. We have one of our own here in Toronto, Alex Wood, coming to us stateside. We have Abby Roberge. and of course, an iconic Canadian comic that many of our listeners will know, the one and only Sean Collin is joining us uh we did we chatted with rick mercer a little while ago it was kind of during jfl season there back in july uh and rick was sort of teasing up this new special that's coming out so it is out now it's on the cbc and it's something we kind of don't really have on network tv in canada right now which is a full-blown just stand-up special just featuring mm-hmm. sort of a rotating cast of canadian comics uh so we're going to get into what their sets were all about and what this show's all about and also as rick was saying to us vince it was sort of a return to form for him
1: yeah, he was getting starting to getting away from hosting and more into stand-up. But he's got killers on this show. So if you haven't caught it, it premiered this week on CBC. Uh a lot of great headliners you'll see in the clubs working, Toronto across Canada. Uh but yeah, three of them are on today and uh very excited for. It. And as we noted off air, Sean Cullen was part of Corky and the Juice Pigs. Not Hooty and the Blowfish that came out of my mouth. We won't bring that up again.
0: Very different things entirely. He was Corky yeah. and the Juice Pigs, not Hooty, not the bare naked ladies. <laughs> Corky all the way. All <laughs> right, we got a full panel. We're talking all these comics on Comedy Night with Rick Mercer on CBC. Let's get into it right now, right here on Inside Jokes. To inside jokes baby right here on 640 toronto and of course streaming coast to coast canada-wide and in fact planet earth-wide if you have the internet on global news online brought to you as always by our good friends at hakeem optical helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967 and it is of course the start of season seven here on inside jokes we are kicking off seven seasons of canadian radio. Don't know how we did that. I they probably just forgot that we're on this station, but it is season 7, so we are starting it off with a bang. We have three absolute crowd killers who you can now see on the new stand-up special Comedy Night with Rick Mercer on CBC. We have three of the comics joining us from that show. Coming to us stateside, we have Abby Roberts. How are you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good. How you guys doing? I need mean, accents again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like mine never got watered down. I'm going to sound like I'm from Letterkenny. Oh, no, it's, it's,
2: it's a thick one, that's for sure. It's a,
0: it's a thick one. We have our friend here in Toronto, Alex Wood. It's been a minute, as the kids say, since we talked to you. It was back in the day where we would, uh, you know, go into a radio studio and talk to human beings in
3: person. Those are bygone times. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I know you and Vince remember what happened the last time I was on and uh, I made us edit it out.
2: <laughs> yes,
0: it's, been, it's
3: been long enough now we can openly say that I farted while you were talking to Bruce Hillis and the mic <laughs> picked it up.
0: I actually completely forgot about that. Yes, you did. That was JFL time about I probably three years ago or something.
2: Yeah, we so, are
0: Pre-pandy. Yeah, that's right. The Alex Jones 4th Gate. I forgot all about that. And of course, last but certainly not least, we have the Canadian icon himself, Mr. Sean Cullen, joining us. Also, we haven't seen you since, again, the good old studio days. It's been a few years for sure.
1: That's right. And I wet myself last time. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, nobody could hear it, but I could tell.
0: You bring the warmth, Sean. You bring the warmth. Well,
1: it spread. The warmth spread from that moment. But it's all good now. I'm clean.
0: Last time anyone used that chair. So we wanted to pick all your brains. Of course it is. We are kicking off our seventh season here on Inside Jokes. So it's, we were kind of, we had Rick Mercer on the show with us this summer when we were sort of in JFL mode and he sort of teased up this new comedy special on CBC. But it's sort of. It's a return to form in a way because a lot of the stuff we've seen recently on CBC and CBC jam, a lot of the new comedy content that come that's come out. It's you know we've had roast battles Canada, and we've had all these sort of competition shows. This is really just a pure to form, true stand up special, just a night of stand up featuring just some of kind of who's who in Canadian comedy right now. Uh, I mean, Sean, I'm sure I know you've worked and known Rick for years. He was sort of teasing this up a little bit, but in a lot of ways, this is kind of a return to form for him as well because. Most of our listeners and most Canadian audiences know Rick Mercer as a host and a pundit. He's sort of, for years, been the closest thing we have in a way to a late night host in this country. This is sort of him going back to his roots in stand-up as well, isn't it, this special?
1: Yeah, I think he was really enjoying the opportunity because, uh, you know, he comes from a sketch background too. He's, he, uh, You know, he's more of an actor, so it was. he's been working on his stand-up chops, so I think he was very happy to get a chance to use them.
0: For you, Woody, I mean, this is something, again, like we we do see a lot of new comedy series on the networks right now in Canada in recent years, which is good to see. But we're seeing a lot of competition stuff. We're seeing roast battles. We're seeing new sketch shows. This is something we don't really see stand-up specials like this on network TV in Canada outside of sort of, you know, the Just for Laughs gal as we all sort of grew up watching. So for you, I mean, how, how essential is it to have something like this on network TV that actually just highlights who's out there in Canadian stand-up right now?
3: I mean, yeah, you called it. That's what I watched growing up. Was like the Just for Laughs galas. That that to me was Canadian comedy. Was like the CBC uh, prime time stand up spots. So yeah, I think it's really important to to get those up. And it's nice too that it's probably been so long because of the pandemic and stuff like that. So yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. Like uh, I, I'm super happy they're doing this show. I mean, I, I feel like I really like roast battles, and you're going out of your way to kind of shit on it. I don't. <laughs> No, we love Roast Battles. I I, I watch Roast Battles, enjoy it, (laughs) love it, and feel like Just for Last puts out fine (laughs) products and everything. You're clearly trying to steer the conversation somewhere else.
0: (laughs) Says the man who farted on the president's mic, but okay. No, we love Roast Battles. We did have Roast Battles on the show not too long ago, but I mean, it is the kind of thing we just really don't get to see a lot of on network TV in Canada, which is just straight stand-up specials with kind of who's on stage right now abby for you i mean you're originally from canada you came up in the what the vancouver scene you of course have lived and worked stateside for years now it must be interesting for you to kind of come back and do a special on canadian tv and dip your feet back into that again after so much time
2: yeah i mean it was awesome because like i started in canada and you know like i didn't really I couldn't even get on stage in Canada when I started. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go to America and get on stage and stuff. And then to come back and be on Canadian TV is awesome because I want to eventually move back and I want to, you know, reestablish myself in the Canadian world, you know. You want to move
0: back. You want to come. We don't hear a lot of that reversal happening.
2: Oh, yeah. With the Internet now and everything you can. I I don't know. I just want to I want to move back and move off grid in Canada and just live in the woods and do comedy uh, on weekends. There you go. Well,
0: it's actually the interesting thing. And I kind of want to get into this with all three of you because it does feel like, especially the last couple of years where everything did become so much more reliant, obviously on, you know, digital platforms and social media and all that, but obviously the whole name of the game is getting back on stage in front of live crowds, of course, but does it, it kind of does feel like geography matters a whole lot less than it used to. I mean, Sean, you're one of those comics and there's not a lot of you, but you're one of those comics in Canada that stayed here and made a name for yourself here And for a lot of comics coming up, it was always about, no, I'm just going to try and get the couple of big festivals, get my paperwork and go to the States. And it feels like a lot of comics, that's not really the drive anymore. It kind of doesn't matter where you're based anymore.
1: Well, I think it should be the drive because uh, there's really not a lot of opportunity up here to get to the next level. I mean, even though, you know, you don't see stand-up shows like we're on uh, this uh, comedy night, anymore because it's all over the internet you can watch youtube and see stand-up anywhere from anywhere and used to be just for laughs was a big deal because everybody would come up there to uh, see the acts that they couldn't see otherwise and discover new people but they already know all the people before they get there and uh, you can see anybody anywhere on on the net so i think it's still If you look at uh, it's a very small pyramid, Canada, you know, trying to get onto the television or to get a series uh, is, you know, there's just such a small, small peak of that pyramid. And there's so many incredibly talented people who never get a sniff of getting in that on television. And I'm not sure that things have gotten better because of all the uh, production that's done up here. It's American production. It's not Canadian production. So you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I kind of think you still have to go and follow. If you want to build cars, go to Detroit. If you want to make TV and comedy, go to Los Angeles or wherever it's being made, you know.
0: Well, it is kind of true, too, because, you know, I mean, yeah, like like you said, the, the we're, we're a location of film here, but it's not Canadian stories. It's, you know, they'll take take Chicago and, or Toronto and turn it into Chicago or New York or whatever. I mean, there was a good example this year. There was an HBO miniseries station 11 they filmed it here but as chicago it's actually a canadian book by a canadian author that takes oh. place in toronto but they shot it, hbo shoots it here and turns it into chicago but shoots it still in toronto so it's sort of like there it, 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 do, it doesn't feel like we've sort of cracked that thing that we were always talking about about making a star system in canada it does okay. feel like we have maybe gotten better at watching our own content maybe that's just a fallout from the last couple of years because we were sort of stuck at home and and I mean, you look at just for laughs last year in the middle of the pandemic, it came back in sort of a smaller form. And it was the only time where you'll ever see probably that festival have an entirely Canadian lineup because it was all just we were here at home and that was it. It was sort of a one off. Uh, What about Alex Wood for you? I mean, was that always the goal? I mean, you're a working club comic here in Canada. You came up in the Ottawa scene, which has always been, for whatever reason, a comedy factory. But you live and work here in Toronto. Did you ever your eyes set on the States ever? Like did, to you, does it matter where you live or, or you, have you always just wanted to try and carve it out here in Canada?
3: Uh, no, I definitely want to live in America, specifically New York. I want to, I want to move there. Uh, Cause I, I have like such low expectations, right? If I could just live there for five years and not die and do like even <laughs> a couple bad shows a week, I'm like, okay, sweet. I did it. I was a comedian in New York. Well, you know, living in in Queens was like 17 roommates. But but I also thought like Toronto was the first step before that, moving from Ottawa to Toronto. And that's kind of like what the first few years in Toronto were too, like, uh, you know, beans and pierogies for dinner. But yeah, and now I love this city, but I feel like now it's uh, small and I I might go to New York.
0: I did always enjoy, by the way, watching comics like yourself that would sort of rise to the top of the ottawa scene and then the look of abject horror on your face is when you get to toronto and you'd be waiting to do five minutes on some mic at two in the morning and you'd go where's the audience and also we don't get paid for all these (laughs) like yeah welcome welcome to the rat race welcome to the city of three million open mics for sure uh we're gonna come back with more of our panel get into more of comedy night with rick mercer and what some of the material these comics have gotten into because uh Feel like there's a lot of stuff for comics to talk about after the last couple of years. We're going to come back with more inside jokes right here on 640 Toronto.
2: My name is Abby Robers. You're listening to Inside Jokes. Catch me on Comedy Night with Rick Mercer and come see me live and follow me on social media and my Venmo is abby-robers.
3: The pendulum swing for the horse like a man.
0: Out screaming. Welcome back to Inside Joe from 640 Toronto. Brought to you, as always, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. It is, of course, the start of season seven. Seven magical years of. Canadian laughter. And and Vince, my producer, is on the air. Vince, I mean, seven seasons. We have, at this point, I bet you dozens of listeners all over Canada, I would imagine.
1: I think there yeah. were two
0: good ones. Two Just tens ones. of listeners everywhere tuning into Inside Jokes. But it is season seven, and we're kicking it off with a bang. We have three of the comics who are now on the new stand-up special, Comedy Night with Rick Mercer on CBC. Which, by the way, I mean, Sean Collin, I guess we'll throw it to you. I mean, this it kind of doesn't feel like a stand-up special where Rick just went, I'm just going to grab some of my friends and do a thing just for the heck of it. Like it it feels like there's a very sort of distinct MO to this series, a a specific tone to it. Like what, what's sort of the idea behind this show?
1: Well, I think the idea is to make money from uh, (laughs) viewers. I think that was the ultimate idea just for laughs. Um, So uh, yeah, I think they succeeded. They probably sold this to someone, but uh, i guess it's to uh, i mean rick i think had a little bit of say on who would be uh part of the show i think he it's kind of like a let me introduce to you some of my favorite people right and it's a lie he doesn't know us he doesn't <laughs> yeah. care he doesn't care but uh he knows that and uh it's all just a game but uh you know that's what life is like in this uh show business it's it's lies, and it's, uh, it's misery. <laughs> Rick Verse is a fraud. He is, there totally. It was he's all very, lies the entire he's, time. He's very small, too. I mean, you can't tell <laughs> on television because his head is enormous and his body is quite squat. So be careful. Be careful if you meet him. You'll be shocked. and, and uh, Don't say anything.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, this like the taping this must have been interesting for you i mean coming up to just for laughs but it's you haven't you haven't been and working in this country for so many years i mean i'm sure you come up here and do shows but it's sort of you're sort of like the odd one out in a way because you're now the american comic on this special and but you're from here
1: who abby oh,
0: the yeah. american one <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a Canadian through and through, and it it was it was awesome when they asked me to do it. My it's funny, like my manager doesn't know anything about Canada. He's mm. like, hey, I got this offer, this guy, like I don't know, it's like a Rick Mercer show or something like that. Like, do you think you want to do it? Or I don't know, it sounds. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, dude, that's like a big deal. He's like, are you really? I'm like, yeah, it's huge. It's like a big deal up in Canada. He's like, okay, cool, let's do it. That's <laughs> some Rick, some
0: Rick Mercer guy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. the, <laughs> right in the <laughs> Alex, for you. I mean, you. Obviously, the last couple of years, it was you know there were a lot of periods where you couldn't go out and just hone new materials necessarily, depending on where you were. And I mean it's a it's an interesting time now because we're seeing comics now come back and start and taping new albums and taping new specials and all this stuff. And a lot of it was a product of the last couple of years. A lot of it was comics sort of writing all this stuff in real time about everything that was going on. For you, was this kind of taping this? Was this sort of old gold for you were you doing album stuff or was there a lot of stuff that you put on this special that's sort of new things you've been working on this last little bit because i mean for comics you're, you're kind of like filtering everything around you in real time as it happens it's been a pretty ripe couple of years for you know politics and social change and just the world literally falling apart and watching what's going on in the states and all this stuff so for you was this a lot of new stuff that you put into this
3: well, like, I didn't really skip a beat because I was doing a lot of those anti-vax, like, super spreader shows, you know? Right. <laughs> See, Sean's an old pro, too. Like, we didn't... Are
1: you paying me? Are you paying me? I'm in.
3: Exactly. Right? So uh, so that was pretty easy. No, I didn't, like... I, I got sober, so I wrote, like, a few of, like, what I consider my strongest jokes about that, and then yeah. I, I got to get uh, those on the set, and then yeah, there was one bit that I wrote and, like, honed during COVID because, like, I was doing a lot of outdoor shows. Like, I had a show going on in my backyard, like, every week.
0: You kind of have to, though. You can't let the whole thing shut down.
3: No, of course not. And, I mean, it was funny because, that like, the first two months when COVID started, I was like, oh, this is going to make me uh, become a more well-rounded, complete person and I don't have to just base all of my, you know, life and happiness around stand-up. And then, like three months of that, I was like, "Oh no, I have to do that." I'm. I, I just,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a double-edged sword, though, because a lot of comics we talked to, because we do comic comedy, is very much it's a lifestyle gig. I mean, you're out there every single night, and it's a very sort of lone wolf thing. It's tough for co- a lot of comics to have that balance in life. There's a lot of people we did talk to the last couple of years where they were like, "Oh, this kind of." I was forced to figure out who I am off stage again, which I haven't thought about in years and, you know, reconnect with friends and family and figure out who I am as just a person because you are a different version of yourself when you get on stage. Of course, you're a more heightened version of yourself. You're stepping into this thing in a way. I mean, did that did you find that this sort of like made you reconnect with the real Alex Wood? let's say that.
3: Yeah, and it was awful. That's what I'm saying is you can't you can't spend t- all that time with just yourself. So then I was like, very quickly, that was the plan was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get so healthy. I could even quit comedy. And then I was just like, oh no, I, I need, I need to, uh, I need to have a microphone and a room full of people telling me that I'm good. I, I, I don't do that enough. So yeah, I, I, I realized that I, I'm not, that is, that's a horrible, horrifying when the, when, the, when the laughter's not there. Oh, it's oh, it's the worst place in the world up here. Come on, <laughs> can't have that for too long.
0: Fair enough. What about you, Sean? I mean, you you're. I feel like those years are probably in a way behind you. You're not you're not going out there and hitting open mics every single night and go and grinding it out. And you can kind of have that work life balance in a way for you. Taping this special was this a chance for you to just riff on? new stuff or what did you go back to sort of old things no
1: (laughs) they never let you do riff they're like a riff they you have to write out your set and then underline it and then you know say there's a verb here then I kind of lift my eyebrow it's very very set no but I did write a lot of new material for this and I've been doing a ton of you know dumb online shows my own included and uh, I just, I don't know, it, it's, uh, and it was a strange, when we were taping it, there was no one in an audience. It was kind of like, two, am I yeah, I believe that's right. And then I was just like, wow, this is so weird. And I'm just doing it. It's like uh, there's in a vacuum with no one. And it felt like my whole life was reflected in that. Everything <laughs> I do is in an empty, empty vacuum of sadness caused by rick mercer loneliness especially by him he's a brutal man <laughs> but uh yeah i i tried to all the i don't know i was found. i was at my most creative when i was forced to sit in my house and just work on writing and i wrote a little book and i did a bunch of different things and wrote a lot more songs and and it was really good in some ways because i was forced to do it if i was able to go out I would just waste my time wandering around, stalking people, that kind of thing. And, uh, it's not productive.
0: Was this actually taped during one of those times where you couldn't fill the audience? Was this one of those?
1: I'm pretty sure there was no audience. Am I wrong guys?
2: Was Was there an audience? Yeah. It was just a limited audience.
1: Oh, and that limited intelligence as well, which was difficult. (laughs) i don't know
0: well when you're because abby when you when you taped this was that like had you done those shows a lot of those shows where it was either like limited crowd on a taping or or pretty much no one just like a crew there and stuff i mean we talked to people there was john hastings we talked to who did like america's got talent where it was just literally the three judges and like the camera crew that was it so was this one of those for you how awkward was that was it
2: I mean, it was, this was my first TV taping, and I knew it was going to be like a limited, uh, you know, it's like a the theater. Sat a lot of people, but there was only maybe twenty percent capacity or something like that. And so, somebody told me they're like, even if a joke doesn't land, pretend you're killing. So I did that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want yeah. joke about nothing, and I was just like held for applause break, just like ah, <laughs> like <that's> not- <laughs> you got to feel that.
0: And we saw a lot of Canadian comics move to some random place. Like the last couple of years, Austin, Texas, became this huge yeah. stand-up scene now and a lot of Canadian comics have flocked their way there.
1: Well, uh, I think it's because Austin is also where uh, North, uh, South by Southwest is the music yeah. and so that's there's a comedy festival grown out of that and there's it's quite a smart scene, a smart town with a lot of uh, opportunity. You know. mm-hmm.
0: It has It has become one of those hubs that we've seen sort of spring up over the last couple of years for sure. Jason Rouse. Jason Rouse is now based out of there.
1: Yeah. No, you can't have everything. <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta deal with some some setbacks, but hopefully they'll read that up. I don't know.
0: That's it. just send send them to Austin. That's mm-hmm. what we can do now. Mm-hmm. Alex, Alex, But how much did you dip your feet into these weird online shows and Did you do, like, Zooms and all that kind of stuff? Because there was some stuff that was, I, you know, I know for a lot of comics it was sort of like placebo shows. Or, I mean, somebody might pay you to do a corporate that's all on Zoom. But, I mean, there was some pretty painful stuff that happened for a lot of comics, for sure.
3: Uh, The first, like, few I did were great. And it it felt like, oh, yeah, this is universal. and And it travels across all space and time and then like the fourth one was like yo this sucks this sucks <laughs> and they just very quickly turned into hell gigs and if you hosted any of them it was brutal because it was just like companies christmas parties where they were like this is our christmas party this year and they've had like six seven eight months of the most miserable months of their lives and then there, are there's just 40 screens in front of you and if you were hosting the first like 15 minutes was just begging people to turn on their cameras and microphones and yeah I did a couple where it was just like 40 black screens and then three faces in front of you just staring (laughs) (laughs) for material oh my god it was the worst
1: (laughs) I uh did I hosted a show called uh what was it called the cocktail comedy cocktail or something like that and I'd have a couple of Comics and then a uh, an interview guest and then a musical guest and so I kind of tried to treat it as like a variety show and then so but also you just got to live with the medium it was figuring out how this new medium works which is there's not going to be laughter there's yeah. not you've just got to plan for that and build the show like that and not require it but uh, what I like to do. And I don't think everybody liked to do it was I said, leave your mics open, but just don't like start drilling or, you know, building a, a deck or something. But I want to hear your reactions. And I actually want to talk to you just like crowd work. And that seemed to work really well. But it, there's no doubt that it's crap <laughs> compared to a real comedy venue. You know, it's just not the same
0: it was it was a i think a lot of comics felt like you know just the kids sitting at the kitchen table with a pack of crayolas like it really just felt like what are we really how essential is this but it's it's just kind of what had to happen until we could come back anyway speaking of coming back we're going to come back from break good one right there right we're gonna come back with more inside jokes right here on 640 toronto
1: Hi, I'm Sean Cullen, you're listening to Inside Jokes But, you know, that's up to you And I'm going to be on the Rick Mercer uh, Comedy Night It'll be great, uh, if he just stops touching me
2: Did you really think that I'd forgotten Kicked out the windshield, water coming in Fade away, fade away Oh, push just. A-
0: what you want what you need, is this what you me to be always love me, to you like down and drive me through. welcome back to inside jokes right here on 640 Toronto and of course streaming coast to coast Canada wide on the global news radio network we are talking to Abby roberge Alex Wood and Sean cullen all appearing on the new CBC comedy special, Comedy Night with Rick Mercer. Uh, before the break, we were getting into sort of the, I wouldn't say desperation, but just some of the painful shows that comics had to do the last couple of years. Alex what is is nodding his head yes to that. But listen, a lot of us, a lot of working comics out there, you had to sort of live and work in those digital spaces and you were doing Zooms and TikToks and online shows and all that. Has it ever changed as well? Like, Alex, I don't know, like, Remember those first couple of months when when COVID hit and everything sort of shut down? Everybody was like, "What's this TikTok thing that everyone's talking about now?" And now it's just like taken over the world. And now now new open micers are just generation TikTok now. How much of this? How much? How much awkward stuff did you have to do during? I've been calling it the Pandy just because it sounds a little bit more fun.
3: Uh, well, I really like that you have your finger on the pulse right now that you think TikTok just got big during COVID. You're like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. do. 2 billion users before that, but then COVID really got TikTok going. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's obviously for, you know, the past 20 years, uh, comedy and live entertainment has been going more and more, you know, internet and the importance of going viral and all that stuff. So then uh, it was like sort of like then a feedback loop of, and then everything's like that during the pandemic. So it probably did speed up the process a little bit of like, it's funny how many, you know, longstanding veterans that have accomplished so much in this industry are probably having management tell them, like, you gotta get on TikTok, kid. Yeah. It's like uh...
0: Well, we talked we talked to so many comics, you know, like road dogs that have been around 20, 30 years, and they did exactly that. They were like, Well, I gotta I have to do an Instagram now or I have to do like a live feed once a week. And they sort of did reach out to a new audience that didn't exist to them before. Do you think, I mean, Sean will throw this to you as well. Do you think there will sort of be this? Ripple effect in a way where we will have new audiences coming out to live comedy that didn't really do that before. Maybe people that were watching specials at home and listening to podcasts and and streaming stuff that it never maybe occurred to them to actually go out and watch live stand up before all this.
1: I don't know if it's, you know, I I really don't know because I find like, I don't know, I have 100,000 Twitter followers. I can't get them to come out to a show. Like, I'll say, hey, I'm doing a show. Will a, a thousand people come out? No. Yeah. I don't know what the actual effect is, but there are lots of people. Like, I do um, Doug Benson's podcasts, uh, and he just gets enormous turnouts everywhere. But I'm not sure if it's for comedy or for him and his his podcast particularly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And there's a lot of podcasts like that, like uh, Comedy Bang Bang and and all of these shows that have like cult followings. But I don't know if that translates into going to see other comics that they've seen on these podcasts and things like that. But I think it is the only way you can make money now as a, a, a performer, as a musician or as a comedian, is to perform live. Everything else is stolen. Like you, you yeah. can't sell a million records because people just buy one and burn it for all their friends. So the only thing you can do is perform live, go out and perform and get a bag and someone puts money in it and then you go home. And that's the only guaranteed thing. So uh, I just look at all of that stuff, podcasts, all of that stuff as just advertisement for hopefully for a live show so that people will come or see your name and go, Oh, uh, I'll go see him. Cause he was on that thing. And I liked that online, but it's a totally different viewership. And, and it, it, they're not like TV watchers either. They're just like that watchers. They like yeah. podcasts, you know,
0: it is true. And I mean, we've been saying, we've been seeing this, this is going way back before the last couple of years, but we've been seeing that change happening in, in comedy for years now. I mean, going back a few years ago, jfl and jfl 42 in toronto you started seeing galas where they were booking you know youtubers because they have eight million subscribers or whatever and that's that's who they were putting on the ticket because that's they figured well that audience is going to come out and watch this but did it translate to people going and watching live stand-up that was part of the rest of the festival probably not they're going out and just watching you know miranda sings or whoever it was at the time so that's kind of been happening for a while already yeah
1: yeah well i i just think uh you know, the YouTube people aren't really performers, you know, when you see them live, they're not performers. They do what they do in a very particular medium. And I don't think it's a lot like they don't have the craft of a comedian. They don't create and build a show or a set or anything like that. It's just their thing. And they go, Oh my God. And then there's an insert video. And then there, you know, it's a different thing. It's hard to, hard to do that live. So I never really understood why that was a part of the festival, you know?
0: Alex for you I mean how much does social media play into what you do now I mean obviously you have a presence on all that stuff and I mean you have been you've kept very busy the last couple of years as you said you just kind of kept working anyways and obviously you're you're always a working club comic but you cranked out an album you cranked out a book how much has does social media play into what you actually do because even earlier when you mentioned the fact that you'd like to go live in New York one day that makes sense because New York is just a die-hard stand-up town it's a club town and that is very much where you come from you are you know you're, you're a younger comic, but you've been at this for a while, but you are very much part of that generation of being an old-school club comic and a road dog, and it's all about just going out there live in front of people in the club, and that's really what it's all about for you.
3: Yeah, I have, like, no social media presence. It's uh, pretty hilarious. Uh, <laughs> uh, like 950 Twitter followers and, uh, uh, like, uh, 29 YouTube subscribers. Uh, I don't know. I've never pushed it. I think it's, like, one of those I'm perpetually saying... I'm going to start this Monday is when I start posting the videos online with the captions and, uh, and, and then I never do it. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to die in a cardboard box, but <laughs> I don't know, it feels worth it to not have to like hear. Cause sometimes other people post videos of your stuff right online. yeah, And then it gets actual views and stuff. And I'm really bad with, um, oh, this person said, where's the joke? Or I'm going to find out where they live, go to their house and kill their family in front of them. Like, I, I get real bad for me, so, yeah.
2: <laughs> what what
1: does time. Abby think? What does Abby think? He's been sitting here just listening to our I, cry. I, I have
2: one for Abby I'm after have, the break, too. I'm actually going super viral, like, right now. I posted Oh, my God. And it's at, like, 3.5 million views right now. What and the f- My, like, followers have doubled, and I just kind of keep hitting refresh and going, like, holy shit. I think it's dope. I think... I think uh it removes all the gatekeepers, the tastemakers. You get to build your own audience on your own. I can go live in the woods, make videos, go sell my own tickets. I don't have to listen to a crazy comedy club owner ever. I never want to do that. I never want to be beholden to some lunatic with mental illness <laughs> that has been power tripping for 30 years. I want to build my own stuff and people can come watch. And I think it I think there's a lot of benefits to it. It's also a little annoying because <laughs> obviously the stand-up market is being flat flooded with like tons of quality content but it's just like it's too much a little bit devalues comedy but i'm just going to try and devalue comedy before everyone else can do it and so there
0: there you go and abby before we go to break by the way you didn't describe any any club over owner i've ever met whatsoever at all just now uh we're going to come back with more abby alex and sean we're going to wrap it up right here on inside
3: jokes this is dr alex wood and you're listening to inside jokes remember high school kids you're allowed to smoke cigarettes they're good for you and please watch me and other hilarious comics on comedy night with rick mercer september 20th on cbc there was a guy from pei they used to call potato This young Leamington, Ontario
2: tomato. Welcome back
3: to Inside Jokes. We are talking to Abby
0: Roberge, Alex Wood, and Sean Cullen. All three you can catch on on the new CBC comedy special, Comedy Night with Rick Mercer. By the way, Abby, we were talking earlier in the show about geography and you were talking about your online presence and how it kind of doesn't matter anymore. But you did mention, because of course you came up in Canada, you've been living and working in the States, you did mention that you want to come and work Back home again at some point. Do you know where you would go? Would you come back to Vancouver? Do you think? Because one thing we've been talking about on this show a lot lately is just how much that scene has really actually kind of blown up and come into its own the last few years. I mean, you've got 604 Records out there that has been cranking out nonstop Juno-nominated albums. There's clubs that have reopened out there. There's live shows that have really sort of it's just sort of blossomed into its own scene out there. Is that sort of what you have your eyes on?
2: Yeah, I would probably I'd probably go back to Vancouver. I bought five acres of land off grid, uh, three hour drive North of Vancouver. So I want to go okay. off grid compound, get ready for the next pandemic. And then, uh, and then, you know, and then bounce between there and the city, you know, going to the city for work, go back in the woods, a Unabomber lifestyle, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I want to get, a, I obviously want to get a lot more successful before I move back. You know what I mean? But, uh, I, I, I say it, geography doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, I want to do... But you bought of- some anyways. Exactly. bought a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I just want to be like a nomadic kind of person, just kind of living wherever. But LA is kind of whatever. LA is kind of
0: whatever. Well, there is... I mean, there's one thing that Canadian comedy doesn't have right there, which is a comedy commune. Maybe that's... You could build that on your tract of so land that you purchased. Talking.
2: Yeah, as long as I don't invite any other comedians to join, it sounds like a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is one thing we you're the only comic i would say that we've talked to
0: definitely in the last two years but maybe ever on this show that um bought land i don't i've never heard a comic say that
2: yeah well i I've didn't write heard... off my comedy money i have a successful business now so
0: there
3: you go that okay
2: yeah most most of the comics we talk to on
0: this show don't they haven't bought land they've traveled across vast expanses of it for mixed results but not really a canadian comedy does uh anybody ever buy land all right we're gonna go around and figure out uh we'll of course plug this special coming up on the cbc but where we can find all of you your social media upcoming shows albums books whatever you got all the things abby will kick it off with you uh where can we find you online any upcoming shows all that good stuff
2: you can find me online yeah pretty much my handle and everything is at Abby Roberge, A-B-B-Y-R-O-B-E-R-G-E, TikTok, Abby Roberge69. Uh, you can find me, uh, I'm in New York right now, performing at Stand Up New York on Saturday. Um, and just, yeah, just follow me, shoot me a message and, uh, you know, we'll be best friends.
0: There we go. And you can go join him on his track of land Abby Roberge had a great show last night in New York, by the way. Alex Wood, we know you don't have the internet's uh, but you—you're you, a busy guy. You got an album. You got a book. Lots of stuff. Where's where can we find your things? See you live. All of that.
3: Uh, all of my handles are Wood Comedy. Wood like my last name. Comedy, all one word. And uh, yeah, I had a book published last year called "Float Like a Butterfly, Drink Mint Tea." You can get that on a Chapters website or my publisher's website, or watch me on Comedy Night with Rick Mercer on CBC. September
0: twentieth. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Perfect, Mr. Sean Cullen. Where yes. can we find you online, live, live shows, all of the good things?
1: Well, uh, like Abby, I've I've uh, got my own setup. I'm I'm burrowed under the earth into a cat like a cavern, uh, which is full of stalagmites and stalactites. It's very interesting. Uh, Terrible acoustics, but, uh, you know, we're working on it. I'm uh, also, well, I've got a book coming out. I just self-published this book called The Book of Justin. It's a gospel uh, telling the story of uh, our Savior, but from the point of view of a guy who wasn't really in the know. He just was outside the circle of those who really got it. And so he's trying to describe it as best he can. So it's quite fun. I did the, the what do you call it, the illustrations. So it's really bad, but give it a try. Uh, and uh, it's going to be available in October, I believe. I'm not sure exactly how or where, but I'm going to be putting it on my website, which is seancullen.com. And you can see me at Mr. Sean Cullen on Twitter and at the, the Sean Cullen on uh, Instagram.
0: There we go. And, of course, that is our panel. You can catch all these comics and more on Comedy Night with Rick Mercer coming up on CBC. Their episode airs September 20th. That is our show. But don't forget, you can listen to all of our episodes right back to the dawn of time on Global News Online. That is our show. We'll be back next week.
1: Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx is Ontario's own Alex Wood. Enjoy. (laughs)
3: Hey, wow, everybody. Uh, this has already been, like, the craziest day of my entire life. Uh, it's been long. I'm exhausted already. I landed at Pearson Airport uh, this morning at 6 a.m. I was fortunate enough to be entertaining our troops in Afghanistan. I was doing some shows for them. Yeah, woo, for sure. Uh And when I landed, I thought my girlfriend was out of town, but she wasn't. See, she surprised me at the airport, so I decided to surprise her, and I got down on one knee and proposed right there in the terminal, and she said yes. Thanks. Okay, that's not true, but this contest is for 25K, so... Judges, that totally counted as applause. Totally, like... That's the biggest pop of the night. I haven't heard anybody get a response bigger. Are we doing this fair or are we doing this fair? (laughs) I have been with my girl for a while now, yeah, three years, it's been, uh, it's been going well. I do miss the beginning of the relationship, though. That's the best time to see anybody, right at the beginning, when you don't know a person very well. Because you make excuses for all of their terrible behavior. Like You can't even see their faults. Pretty much the first two months of dating anybody, you're just downhill skiing around red flags. That's all. <laughs>